Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Why don't you just raise your hands? If you feel comfortable, just raise your hands. said that David cried out God I have so many enemies so many are against me and so many are taunting me saying God is absent he will never rescue me but I declare you O Lord are my rock you O Lord are my shield that surrounds me you are my glory the one who holds my head high you O Lord are how I fight my battles. David cried out. And the Lord answered. David cried out, I am overwhelmed by the battles around me. David cried out, the world is laughing at me. But then he declared, you, O Lord, and only you, O Lord, surround me. For you are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. You are my armour. You are my protector. David declared, I may look like I am surrounded, but I will not be afraid of the battles that I have. I may look like I am surrounded, but I will put on the armour of my God. Let's declare this. Let's declare this. I want to stay here for just a couple of minutes. As we were declaring that, we're declaring that God's goodness is surrounding us. One of the revelations I had over the last week is we're going to move past the cross. The cross is where we came on our knees before God. It's where we were broken down. But then when Jesus went, He gave us the spirit and he said, you'll go further. He said, you'll break through these things. You'll go past kneeling at the cross and into glory and glory and glory and glory. And I think for too long, the church has been stuck kneeling at the cross. We're grateful for it. But for too long, we've been stuck there in our brokenness. We're going to sing this right across this place. And I'm going to take this opportunity now. I'm going to take this opportunity now to encourage anybody, wherever you are, to take a step of faith, to get off your knees from where the cross has been and to declare, I'm going to step into glory and glory and glory in Christ Jesus. Surround us. Surround us. Let's go, Tony. Surround us. If that's you, if you want to break free from that right now, it's the start of the service. I haven't preached yet. I, I, I really believe now, though, that many who are going to just step forward, just step forward on the altar just for a minute or two, just while we're singing this. Just come forward with these guys. Let's step forward now. And if you want to do this, let's declare this right now. Let's just declare it right now. Move past where the cross is. Let's surround this. Let's surround this. I can tell you the people on the altar are singing it. 
There's some people who are struggling to break free from that. Do you know what? Maybe, maybe you're feeling a little bit nervous inside. Grab the person next to you and say, do you know what? Take this step with me. Walk this journey with me. Come forward with me because I've got to break this battle. I've got to break this battle. I'm going to put on the armor that God has given me. I can see this. When they're walking around those walls of Jericho, on the first time they're saying, this is how I fight my battles. Let's drop it down a bit, guys. Let's drop it down. Let's the voices come. Let's the voices come. The first time around the wall, they said, this is how I fight my battles. And they're a little bit nervous because nothing happened. The second time they walked around those walls and they're getting a little bit more nervous because nothing happened. And the third time and the fourth time, and maybe you've been praying for a family member three and four and five and six times. On the seventh time, the walls went down because this is how we will fight our battles. Heavenly Father, from the left to the right, Lord God, I pray for every single person who's had the courage to say, Lord God, fight my battles for me. I give them over to you. For every person who has stood here and every person here out there, Lord God, who is saying, I hand over my battles to you. Lord God, I pray. I pray that through the word that is spoken, I pray through the worship that is sung, Heavenly Father, that we will declare that you, Lord God, are the God of gods. You are the King of kings, that you are our King of kings. We salute you, Lord God. We glorify you. And we say, Heavenly Father, fight my battles. In your mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Fantastic, fantastic. Woo, fantastic. So, so good. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you, band, for staying with me. Why don't we give the band an incredible uh, round of applause? Wow, we. Wow, we. I've got to go. I've got to go way more often, eh? Fantastic. So good. So good. For those who are students of world history, November the 11th is what they call Armistice Day which was effectively the agreement to the end of World War I. And I've asked Tim just to share a few words with us. It's early 1918, and after four brutal years, the fate of the Great War hangs in the balance. On one hand, the fact that Vladimir Lenin and the Bolsheviks have seized power in Russia, immediately suing for peace with Germany, means that no fewer than one million of the Kaiser's soldiers can now be transferred to the Western Front. On the other hand, now that America has entered the war, two million soldiers are crossing the Atlantic to tip the scales to the Allies. The Germans, realising that their only hope is striking first, do exactly that. On the morning of the 21st of March 1918, the Kaiser's battle is launched, the biggest set-piece battle the world has ever seen. Across a 45-mile front, no fewer than two million German soldiers hurled themselves at the Allied lines with the specific intention of splitting the British and French forces and driving all the way through to the town of Villers-Bretonneux, where their artillery can rain down shells on the key train hub of Amiens, thus throttling the Allied supply lines. For nigh on two weeks, the plan works brilliantly. The Germans are able to advance without check as exhausted British troops flee before them together with tens of thousands of French refugees. In desperation the British commander General Douglas Haig 
calls upon the Australian soldiers to stop the German onslaught and save Villers Bretonneux. If the Australians can hold the line, the very gate to Amiens, then the Germans will not win the war. Arriving at Villers Bretonneux, just in time, the Australians are indeed able to hold off the Germans, launching a vicious counter-attack that hurls the enemy back for the first time. And then on Anzac Day 1918, when the town falls to the British defenders, it is again the Australians who are called on to save the day, the town, the battle, the entire war. Can you all please stand and remove your hats as we will read the Ode of Remembrance. At the conclusion of, I ask you all to remain standing for a minute's silence. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Why don't you take a seat? Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Ben. Before I uh, get into this series, I just want to take one further minute of a little bit of indulgence time and, uh, and honour my wife. She, um, she leads alongside me here with poise, with integrity, with determination and with a heart for the church and the church's people. She's a mother of our two beautiful girls and today we celebrate 23 years married together. Fantastic. Talking about prayer, Jono talked about prayer here on, on Tuesday morning. Can I encourage you, change up your calendars. Find somewhere in your calendar. Don't do it as the last bit of your day. Don't do it as the last bit of your calendar. Go, I'll have a look at my calendar first and then I'll throw prayer in there. Make it the first fruits of what you do. Cancel something else. Get to prayer. Your life works better when you're in prayer. So if your calendar is so full that you can't fit prayer in, come and see me and I'll have a chat to you. <laughs> Bill Hybels had a book out. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It. So it said, too busy not to pray. Let's not be a church where we're too busy not to pray. J. John. Who knows J. John? J. John. 
Uh, we got the opportunity to spend some time with him in Sydney and was chatting with him. He came down for holidays down here for a couple of days to our beautiful city in Hobart. And uh, uh, we were, in a, in, were actually in a course with Pastor Phil at the time. And uh, David sent through, this e, uh, sent through this video link of J. John in our building here. J. John is an anointed man of God who just filled out a 45,000-seat stadium in the Emirates and saw 2,500 people give their life to Christ on the very night. He's an anointed evangelist. Do you know what he did when he came in here? David said, can I have a look at your auditorium? Because that's the way he speaks. Can I have a look at your auditorium? And he walked in here and he's like, wow. And then as David's sort of opening doors and doing things, do you know what he did? He started praying in this auditorium. He started praying for you. He started praying for every red chair. He prayed for our leadership. He prayed that this church will flourish under the name of Jesus Christ. J. John is praying in the house. We can be praying in the house. Morella and I got to hang with our 13 other senior pastors from across the globe for a week-long intensive on leading the church. We got to shoot each other in archery. It was kind of cool. Uh, and we did all of these sort of things. Uh, each day started at 6 a.m. in the morning with an hour in prayer with Pastor Phil, each day, and you don't want to be late, because if you're late, he will notice you that you're late, and he does that every day, every day, I kind of felt unchristian, I kind of felt backslidden, and I felt so motivated to take a front foot forward. Each day started at 6 a.m. in prayer. Do you know what I loved about it, though? It wasn't look-at-me type of prayer. In fact, Jesus warned against that sort of stuff. When he told his disciples, don't be hypocrites and only pray when you're in public view in the temples. It was effective, fervent prayer, whereby we prayed for people. We prayed for you. Marola and I were there, and we got to pray for our beautiful church by name, our leaders by name, the people we could remember in the chairs by name. We prayed for the wider church body in Hobart and in Tasmania. We prayed for the unchurched. We prayed for breakthroughs. We praised God for the miracles that we're already seeing. Two weeks ago, I spoke on the thing of don't miss the miracle when you're already in the miracles. We celebrated every unchurched person that has given their life this year. I don't talk about numbers much because that's not me, but I will talk about the fact that 86 people have given their life to Christ this year in this church. I want to start with a quote today from a guy called Bob Sorge. Bob Sorge is known as the speaker who can't talk. Bob was an American preacher fulfilling his call and working hard sharing the gospel when he suffered this debilitating illness which reduced his voice to nothing more than a whisper. I've listened to his recordings and this is about the best he can speak. Which is a little bit difficult when you're a preacher sharing the word of God. Bob Sorge said this, the nature of the enemy's warfare 
in your life is to cause you to become discouraged and to cast away your confidence. Not that you would necessarily discard your, your salvation, but that you would feel disillusioned as to the hope of God's deliverance in your life. The enemy is very real and often you can't see it. But it wants to numb you into a coping kind of Christianity. Yet, he said, yet we must rest in a God who will fight our battles. Then he said this, it is often, the bat- is often not the battle that changes you, but your pursuit of God whilst in the battle that changes you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for the word in these next 20 minutes. Lord God, I pray that it is an anointed word for our church at this time. Lord God, I pray that each word is dripped with, with your anointing and what you want to say. Heavenly Father, I pray that we, all of us, will walk out the doors understanding that you go before us, that you love us, and we can declare your name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to our scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from the NLT. Uh, I want to start by encouraging each of us that God has given us the armor needed in order that we can stand firm against the battles. I'm going to say that again. God has given each one of us the armor needed in order that we may stand firm against the, de- against the devil. And in this passage, it's Paul's cry to the church in Ephesus that they put it on. That they put it on. If God gives you something, put it on. If God gives you the word of God, read it. If he gives you the, communi- the ability to be able to communicate with him, do so. Ephesians 6 verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. I'll read it off here. Evil authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be still standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I want to read that passage to you. I'm going to indulge in a little bit here. And I want to read that passage to you from the message translation. And I want you just to to close your eyes and listen to the words, how Eugene Pedersen used these words to describe this same passage. says this, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything 
he has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best material and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletics competition that we will walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This, my people, is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon that God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than just words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard, pray long. Pray for your brothers and sisters, keep your eyes open, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind and no one drops out. The Word of God is active and alive and powerful, people. The first weapons we are equipped with is the belt of truth and the body armour, the breastplate of God's righteousness. Paul says this, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. It's a sign of our times that our, uh, that our police men and women have to wear body armour while doing their jobs. In 2011, to, uh, 2011, just before landing in a place called Benghazi in Libya, I was ordered by a security detail to put on a body armour that covered my torso. And I remember thinking to myself, that's fantastic, but my head's uncovered. My arms are uncovered here, people. My legs, uh, I'm just wearing pants. They're pretty uncovered too, and there's a whole lot of my legs here. And I remember turning to uh, this Gurkha who was, who was at, um, assigned to look after me. And I said to him, he didn't, he didn't speak much. And I said to him, why just, why just the breastplate? Why just the Kevlar jacket? And his reply was very simple, and he said this, your heart is worth protecting. It is not lost on me that when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, the heart is where the transaction takes place. Our feet can move us forward, and this morning we saw people physically move forward. Their feet moved them forward. Our arms can help us. Our head can analyze what we're meant to do. And for some people, our head can stop us from moving forward. But it's in our heart is where our transaction with God takes place. God lives in our heart. And so when Paul says here, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness or God's holiness, he's saying to us, put on the breastplate that will cover where God is in residence. We owe that. If God is going to come residence into your heart, we owe it to him to protect it with his holiness and his righteousness. Don't let the devil take a shot at your heart. Relationships do enough of that stuff. Relationship breakdowns do enough of that stuff. They, they literally break our heart. 
God resides in our heart. The transaction has been taken. We need to make sure that we cover it with his righteousness and his holiness. Verse 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Some people have really, really, really ugly feet. He's going on YouTube, so I won't pick out that Jono Hosford just put up his hand. I won't do that to you, Jono. Seriously, have you ever been to the beach and looked down at people's feet and you think to yourself, man, you have got really ugly feet? No? You don't do that? Is this just me? Just me. Maybe it's just me. Now, I don't think I've got ugly feet, but I'm going to be open with you here. I have got the most tender, wussy feet in the world. You know, you, you step into the ocean, and it's a bit cold. You know, you dip your toe into the ocean, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I can't go in there. It's a little bit cold. Yeah, okay, it's just me. You get humility as a pastor. In the Middle East, we used to go and do these uh, adventures in the sand. And can I tell you, when 53-degree heat has been beating down on the sand, it is hot. It burns your feet. It burns your feet. And uh, I was up in a beautiful place on the east coast of uh, Tasmania a few weeks ago at a place called Orford, beautiful place. And I had to get from the beach to where we were staying. I don't know, maybe it was 150 metres, not far. I had my shoes in my hands and I had to walk on this prickly grass and this little kind of dirt patch that had these little pebbles in there. I was crying like a baby. My feet are tender. I was crying like a baby. And then I could see the house. You know when you can see where you need to be? I could taste that lemonade coming already. But I had to cross a road. And this road wasn't beautiful concrete that was smooth. This road had those little annoying pebbles. You know the ones. You know the ones. When you get one in your heel, you think you've been stabbed in the heart. Okay, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. The point is this. As I was taking that 150-meter walk... My attitude was not one of peace. Paul said, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. We put shoes on so that we are fully prepared to face the day. Paul says, put it on. I've given it to you. Put it on. Put it on. When you wake up in the morning, put on the shoes of peace in order that you may display an attitude of peace. If you don't put it on, the little things in life will irritate you. Those little pebbles on the ground will irritate you. And when you're irritated by temperature, by the little things on the ground, by some, what someone does in your workplace, when you are irritated by that, you cannot bring an attitude of peace. And Paul says, put it on. God gives it to you as a gift, so put it on. We may not be at war like we remembered 
20 minutes ago. But we are living in a society that is struggling to find peace. You've just got to look around you. And there are certain things that just tip people off. You've worked with them. You go to school with them. Maybe it's in your family life. There are certain things that just tip people off. It's because we're living in a society that is not at peace. We may not be living in World War I or World War II or anything like this, but our society is not at peace. Because too many people are not putting on the shoes of peace that God has equipped us with. When Paul says, put on the shoes of peace, he's saying, put on the shoes of peace that come from the good news that Christ died for our sins in order that we may have the peace that passes all understanding. The issue of faith is a whole other preach, and I'm not going to get to that in 10 minutes. In fact, it's a whole other series. But the point I want to make on this quickly with, with faith, when he says, pick up a shield of faith, a shield can easily stay locked in a cupboard. A shield can easily just be put alongside there and we don't worry about it. For guys, we don't need a shield because we're bulletproof. Sun's out, guns are out. I'm successful in my business. I'm successful in my marriage. I'm successful in my sports. I'm successful in my hobbies. I'm successful in these things. So we don't pick up the shield of faith. Why? Because we start working on our strength, not God's. Paul says, pick it up, hold it up, put it on. Hold it up, put it on. Verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I have not read a novel in a very, very long time. Not because I don't like reading. I actually really enjoy reading. And I wish I could take some more time. I need to get habits in my life where I can enjoy those things as well. But to be totally honest, I can't put this thing down. I cannot put this thing down. Do you know what's inside this? Romance, wars, love, famine, sex, revelation. The supernatural is in here. You don't have to read the Twilight books. The supernatural is in here, people. It's in here. I'll happily show you where it is. The natural is in here as well. Relationship breakdowns are in here. How to avoid relationship breakdowns is here. How to be nice to your wife is in here. Do you know what it says in there about generosity? John, I talked about generosity this morning. It says be abundantly generous. Don't give of that which costs you nothing. Don't do it. Be abundantly generous. It's all in here. This book has the account of Jesus Christ, who was fully God, came down, to the earth, came down to earth in the form of being fully man. 
Just think about that. Fully God came to earth and was fully man. And what he did is he empowered and he equipped a bunch of imperfect people. I'm just going to look at myself. Fully God became fully man and he empowered and he he equipped imperfect, broken, busted people. Andy Stanley says this, the Christian walk is the result of of an event that created a movement that produced texts that were protected, collected and titled the Bible. The sword of the Spirit is the Bible. The Word of God. And I personally support things like version and all of the incredible apps that are out there. I fully support them. But can I encourage you people, for your daily growth, don't get stuck reading 140 characters on your phone each morning and say, I've connected with Jesus Christ. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It is phenomenal to have a daily Bible verse. But let it sink in. Even if you don't carry your Bible with it, let it sink into you. Read that verse. Meditate on that verse. What is that verse saying to you? If it says put it on, then put it on. Our world is stuck on 140 characters. I ate this for dinner. I did this. The Bible is not stuck on 140 characters. Let it sink in. We need to pick up the Word of God and use it to pierce our enemy. The writer of Hebrews says this in verse four, chapter 4, verse 12. He said, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. Thanks, band. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I love what Joyce Meyer says. Joyce Meyer loves the worship. She said it is the anesthetist that gets us there so that she can go in with the sword of the Word of God and pierce us in the areas we need to be pierced. There's some mornings when I read the Word of God and I feel like it's a knife sticking into me, but it's actually good because God's saying to me, that's the part I need to speak to you about. I need to speak to you about your pride. So I'm going to turn to you here. I need to speak to you about your generosity. I need to speak to you. When you read the Word of God, say, God, I'm happy for you to dig this in, to dig it in. Cut out the stuff that is not of you. Cut out the stuff that is not of you. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. God gives us His Word in order that we can do it, get it in. But in order that we can use it to fight against the enemy. The devil is sneaky. The devil is cunning. The devil prowls around like a lion waiting to devour his victims. The devil does not play a fair game. But can I tell you this? We are not in a tug of war, people. We're not in a tug of war going, I'm going <coughs> to go here. The devil will get me back there. God has already won. God has already won. 
Why don't you stand? Paul finishes this whole section with a full stop. A proclamation which says after you put on your armour, after you put on your armour to protect you against the enemy, he says in verse 18, pray hard. Pray hard. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Stay alert. Keep each other's spirit up so that no one falls behind and that no one drops out. One of my greatest fears, but one of the things that drives me further is that in my inadequacies, I will leave someone behind. On Wednesday afternoon, we had a time of reflection. I'm standing around 14 other senior pastors who have been chosen by Pastor Phil to be part of an intensive, and we have a time of reflection, and I cried like a baby. It's kind of embarrassing. And I couldn't stop. We had to write about four months ago when we were chosen to go. We had to write letters to ourselves from Jesus. And we sent them in. And they were given to us. And we carried a cross in the auditorium up at Oxford Falls. 14 other people, some music there. And as I got to mine, I opened my letter. And it was Jesus writing to me. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. But then I put my own part in there. I said, God, I'm not good enough. And he said, I've equipped you with everything you need. Just put it on. Just put it on. Just put it on. He said to me, you don't have to be Stephen Furtick. God bless Stephen Furtick. He's gifted. You don't have to be the greatest worship leader. You don't have to be the greatest preacher. You don't have to be the greatest leader. Be what I've purposed you to be. And as I read those last few words, I just felt uncontrollable emotion that God has destined each and every one of us for His purpose. You may never preach a word of God on the stage, but you may preach a word of God to your next door neighbour this afternoon. 
You may never pray a public prayer standing here, but your prayer for your family is heard by our God, Father in heaven. You may never stand up here and sing a song or play a guitar, but your worship that comes out of you may be the thing that changes a person who sits next to you. Put it on, people. Put it on. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes right now. If there is someone here today who says, Jesus, I want to put on the armor for the very first time that I've come to church or maybe I'm in church for the first time today. But today, right now, I want to take up the armor that you have given me and I want to put it on. I am not perfect, but I am purposed. If that's you, or maybe you've had the armor on, but it got so dented and outdated that you put it in the cupboard. The shoes were so torn that you put them away. The breastplate felt so heavy that you took it off. And you want to say, Jesus Christ, I want to put that back on today. If that's you, I want you just right now, where we are, all eyes are closed, I want you just to raise your hand right across this place. Thank you, I can see that hand. I can see that hand there. Is there any others? Thank you, I can see that hand. That you've put away that armor. Thank you, I can see that hand. I can see that hand there. I can see those two hands there. Keep them up. Everyone else's eyes are closed. Keep them up. I can see their hand. We've got our pastoral care team are looking for you. Someone is going to come alongside you. Keep those hands up right up high. Right up high. Put them up. Say, I'm putting on God's armor right now. I'm putting on God's armor. Keep them up. Keep them up. Our pastoral care team are coming to you. Two down here, Judy. Right here in the next row. Fantastic. I can see those hands. There's half a dozen hands up here. Is anyone else right now? Right now. You want to take that shield out? Thank you. I can see that hand over there as well. Fantastic. Steve, can you? Over there. Right now, in this last 20 seconds, right now, that's you. You put the shield away. You put the shoes away. The breastplate is too heavy. Thank you. I can see that hand. Someone can get around that gentleman there right now and the lady in the middle here fantastic fantastic we're going to sing this song we're going to sing this song we're going to we're going to go out of here and we're going to fight some battles aren't we tony we're going to pick up our armor we're going to pick up our sword we're going to fight some battles we're going to fight some battles if you had your hand up one of our pastoral care team will get around you they'll want to pray with you they'll want to speak with you Can I just, right now, you don't know who they were. God knows who they were. Why don't we just give them a round of applause right now? Yeah. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.